And so tonight, we're gonna, we're gonna, I want us to dive in, and we're going we're gonna to finish up uh, our kind of uh, big question series next week. And so tonight, we're kind of doing some more big questions, and you can text those questions in. We'll put it up on the screen, what you text who to get your questions in. But I really want to focus the, the core of our time tonight on one particular issue, just because the predominant questions when we do these Q&As and over the last two weeks have been around the particular topic that we're going to talk about tonight. And, uh, and so before we dive into that, I was just thinking today, I was thinking, man, it'd be cool uh, just, to, just to maybe throw a few things up, up on the board here on what things are, represent the attributes of who you are. What are the characteristics of what it means to be you? Like, you know, maybe, maybe you're, you know, let me just give you an example. Maybe, maybe loving is a characteristic of something that is within you, like an attribute of who you are. And so I'm just going to write that one up here. But, but let, me get, let me get some other characteristics and attributes. Just throw some out. Funny, hard-headed. Funny, hard-headed. <laughs> hard-headed. Hey, at least you're honest. What other things? Smart. Smart. Sarcastic. What you got? Sarcastic. Intelligent. All right, that's kind of like smart, intelligent. Sassy. We're sassy. Athletic. Athletic. What'd you say? He said he's sexy. He's sexy. All right, all right, all right. You know, this is, this, is, this is always a cool exercise to just begin to write down all the things, all the attributes and characteristics that define who you are as a person. And you know what's cool? What's cool is, is that when you read in the Bible, the Bible talks about that we are created in the image of God, that much of the attributes of who God is has been hardwired in our DNA into who we are. Now, we'll talk about this in a little bit more later, but we know that as a result of the fall with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, that sin entered the world, and as a result of that, sin began to take root within us, but we still are image bearers of God. We still bear the image of God. And so a lot of these things, as we begin to look at it, I mean, we can begin to say, you know, like, like God is loving and, you know, God is athletic. I'm sure he is. I mean, who can beat God in football? Anybody? No, you can't. And, uh, so, and so there's all these different characteristics that represent who we are, attributes that represent who we are. Now listen, this is important. The reason that it is important is because in our society, in our culture, our culture highlights certain attributes and characteristics as being greater or having more influence or having uh, more of a, a hold in the identity of who you are. Because what I would say is that this circle, and you can throw all the other things that you yelled out that we did not write up in here, we would call this identity. That this is, this is who you are. This is your identity. We all have we all have an identity. And, uh, and so these things represent our identity. And this is what happens. What happens, especially in our culture, is that our culture is very sexually driven. Right? And so this is what happens. He's like, yeah, that's my answer. <clears throat> this is what happens, though. What happens, I want you to catch this, don't miss this, is that our culture almost makes our entire identity... Sex. 
and everything else falls in this category. Let me show you how this plays out. This is how it plays out. It plays out like this. The reason that you want to be attractive, the reason that you want to wear the clothes that you want to wear so that you can present yourself a certain way, the reason that you have body image issues, why you wish that you were skinnier, you wish that you were shorter, you wish that you were taller, you wish that you were whatever. You know, like I used to wish my nose was smaller, you know what I'm saying? Because I got a big nose, all good. <laughs> Nobody ever called me Gonzo, it's all good. And uh, they did, and I punched them. And so... And what happens in our culture is that we make this a big box. And so what happens is that everything is about sex. And so then we begin to define our identity this way. And let me tell you, this is how it works. One of the conversations we're going to have tonight is we're going to talk about homosexuality, bisexuality, all of these different things. What does the Bible say about it? What does culture say about it? What are all of these things when we begin to discuss it? And let me, let me just show you, even from the outset, to say that I am bisexual, to say that I am homosexual, to say that I am heterosexual, and to make that my label is me saying that the most important thing about me is who I desire to have sex with or who I'm attracted to. And the truth of the matter is that our identity is not wrapped in or totally pulled together by sex. There are so many other things that are a part of our makeup. So when you begin to make your identity all about sex, then all of a sudden now the identity of homosexuality, the identity of bisexuality, that becomes your charge. That becomes your banner. That becomes who you hold yourself up with. And let me tell you something. The Bible is clear on this. And I want to have a conversation from the Bible. Then I want to show you the research and the studies and the science and then I want us to talk about a little bit of what I call cultural apologetics to handle this issue. The Bible is clear that your identity primarily and at the core is in Christ. That who you are, who you represent, number one, is centered on who Jesus is, what he has done for you through the cross, through the death, burial, and resurrection, what we just sang about, that that is who your identity is. That your identity isn't sex, but it is follower of Christ. That is a major shift and so countercultural to the culture that we live in. That everything within our identity is shaped by and influenced by and informed by what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about God, and about what the Bible teaches as a follower of Christ. This is so important. This is your identity. See, I can point to you, and we don't have the time, but I could show you the research on almost every vice struggle thing, that, whether it's drugs, whether it's whatever, I can, pornography, I can set you down and I can walk you through the details of how the, your identity has been polluted in that particular way, why that is such a strong proclivity to you, because you have veered away from the identity in Christ. And who God has made you and created you to be. So this is foundational. I think that it's weird if I was to walk around and say, hey guys, I'm hetero. What's up? That would be weird. Who I am attracted to and who I desire to have sex with does not identify me, does not define my identity. God defines it. 
Now, when we begin to talk about relationships, this is a hot topic, people. This is a hot topic. Some of us are uncomfortable right now. I'm uncomfortable a little bit. That's all right. It's a hot topic right now. It's all over the media. It's all in our culture. And, 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 and what happens a lot of times when we have this conversation is that, is that people start going, well, you know, man, like, like man, the church, man, the church, man, the Bible, the, all, all these men are Bible beaters. They're haters. They, you know, they, 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 you know, are trying to, trying to hold the culture back. And these are old traditions. And this is a 2,000-year-old thing. And like, man, get with the times, people. And all of these things start coming out. And it starts welling up within people, this anger that is deep-rooted inside of them. And the church has done a horrible job at addressing it. The church has fed that a little bit. And this is what I would say. Hatred and bigotry are wrong on any side of the argument. When the church is hating other people, you are not being who Christ was. And it goes on the other side of the argument as well. When Prop 8 was overturned in California several years ago, pastors were jumped and beaten. Prop 8 was turned down because California voted to not legalize same-sex marriage. It's since been overturned. Churches were set on fire. Windows were broken. Pastors' cars were, tires were slashed and windows busted out. Churches were attacked during the day. This happened in our nation. This is a passionate issue, and I would say that's equally wrong. Hatred and bigotry on any side of this is wrong. It's sinful. It's not how Jesus would have handled it. And when we begin to have this conversation, I think we need to start at the core of the issue, at the core of where we're at. What does God think about relationships? What does God think about sex? What does he think? Here's the thing. Genesis, the Bible opens with a marriage. At the book of Revelation, at the end, the end of the Bible, the Bible closes with a marriage. Marriage is spread all throughout the Bible. God ordained it. It was God's idea. We see Jesus address this. If you got your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 19. You can write this in your notes as you're taking notes there. In Matthew chapter 19, this is what Jesus says. He's, he's addressing marriage. He's addressing sex. He's addressing some of the cultural issues of this day. He's addressing divorce. He's addressing these different things. In verse 4, he says this. Jesus is talking. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator, talking about God, made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they were no longer two, but one flesh. Let therefore, let therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is quoting all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. This is the story. All of the animals are brought before Adam because God created Adam. And Adam names all of the animals and they go out. And then what happens is that God, God says that you know, Adam, will, Adam could find no suitable companion. So God puts Adam in a sleep, takes a rib from his side, creates Eve, a woman, to be a helpmate. For them to be together, companionship, relationship. It was not good for man to be alone, Genesis 2 tells us. God created us for community and relationship. And then as a part of this relationship, 
Um, it says that then, therefore, throughout all of history, man will leave his father and mother, be joined together with his wife, and they shall become one flesh with one another. This one flesh language, if you go and do a bunch of study on it, this is talking about sex, and it's talking about that sex unites the man and the woman together in one flesh with one another, sealing the marriage vow. Therefore, the marriage relationship is designed to be with one man and one woman with sex as a part of that sealing vow. Therefore... Jesus is teaching us here in this passage in Matthew chapter 19 that the design of sex and the design of marriage the way God intended it was to be one man, one woman in the context of marriage forever. Forever. That any perversion of that is outside of the will of God. It's not one man, two women. It's not one man and an animal. That's weird. <laughs> it's not one man and a child. It's one man and one woman in the context of marriage. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, the reason that it's important to protect that is because when you begin the conversation, you get outside of the, bound, the boundaries of the way that God intended marriage, then where do you draw the lines? Where do you draw the lines? Because if you say, well, it's okay, I can marry whoever I want to love or whatever I want to love, that it's all about love and it's not about what God says, then where do you stop? So then you see this guy, Corey Moore, who legally married his 2004 Cherry ES-335 Gibson guitar, legally. This is what he said. The day I got her, I just knew she was the one. I know it seems weird, but I love her. Like, really love her. With all my heart, I just wanted to make it official. You say that's weird. Let me tell you something. Guy in Connecticut petitioned to marry his horse. True story. Another guy petitioned to marry his car. True story. He loved his car. He wants to marry his car. Now, I don't blame him. I mean, if he's got a nice ride, you know what I'm saying? Here's the point. When you begin to blur the line on marriage, where is the boundaries? Because, listen, you can do the research. There are people who believe that it is okay for pedophiles to be able to be with children because it's what they love and it's what they want. When you begin to, you say, hold on a second. No, it's true. In fact, let me, let me, let me read you. This is the, the LGBT stance, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, uh, transgender society. This is their stance. The LGBT activists established more than 50 years ago insisted that pedophilia is an inborn sexual orientation, not a learned sexual behavior. If people are born with a sexual attraction to minors, their orientation should be accepted and normative and not stigmatized. You say, what? Now listen, this conversation goes deep. Because if you begin to have the conversation, well, 
I'm born a certain way with certain things in my nature that I cannot help, then where are the lines drawn with that as well? See, the Bible teaches us this, that we are all born with a sin nature. Every single one of us are. And every single one of us in our sin nature has a proclivity to certain things or a bent towards certain things. Your bend may be towards pornography. Your bend may be towards alcoholism. Your bend may be towards rage and anger. Your bend may be towards homosexuality. Your bend may be towards certain different things. In other words, there are certain things that the temptation of those things are greater in you than they are other people. There are certain things that I do not struggle with. And I talk to you and you're telling me as we're having a one-on-one conversation about this thing that you deeply struggle with. You cannot stop self-mutilating. You don't know why you can't stop cutting. You can't help it. You feel like you're depressed. Why can't I stop doing this? I don't struggle with that. Is that a real struggle for you? Absolutely it is. It's a part of the sin nature. Everyone has it. In fact, Galatians uh, 5 uh, gives us even uh, an idea of it. It says this. It lists even the struggles. It says, the acts of the sin nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live in this way will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Some people struggle with jealousy. Some people with rage. And some people in this context of this conversation homosexuality it's a real struggle it's a real deal it's not that you were born that way because what happens is is that when you say i was born a certain way what you're saying is i'm not responsible because i can't help it and if you're not responsible then it's not sin but the bible teaches us that you're responsible for your sin In fact, let me read you what um, a Ph.D. uh, homosexual uh, uh, historian says. He says this. Journalists trumpet every biological study that even hints that gayness and straightness might be hardwired. But they show little interest in the abundant social science research showing that sexual orientation cannot be innate. In other words, what this guy is arguing is that you're not born that way. Then he says this, The scholars I interviewed for this essay were were variously dismayed and appalled by this trend in our culture. For example, historian Dr. Martin Duberman, founder of the Center for Lesbian and Gay Studies, studies, uh, a, a gay man himself, said no good scientific work establish, has been established establishes that people are born gay or straight a cultural anthropologist dr esther newton from the university of michigan called one study linking sexual orientation to biological traits ludicrous she said any anthropologist who has looked culturally cross-culturally knows it's impossible that that's true because sexuality is structured in such different ways and in in different cultures while biology, while biology certainly plays a role in sexual behavior, no gay gene has been found. And whatever natural science data exists for inborn sexual orientation is preliminary and disputed. So to date, the totality of the scholarly research on homosexuality indicates that gayness is much more sociocultural than biological. What's the point? 
The point is this, is that it's a choice, just like anything else. The Bible calls it sexual sin. It is no different than premarital sex with a heterosexual couple or looking at pornography or anything that is a perversion of sex the way God designed it with one man and one woman in the context of marriage. This is not the Christian, gay-hater, biologist. This is actually the research from guys in the homosexual community saying this stuff is ludicrous. You say, well, where did it come from? It came from the psychology community. Psychologists said that, well, we've seen effeminate tendencies in children or masculine, uh, in, in young boys or masculine tendencies in young females. Therefore, when they grew up, uh, when they grew up, then obviously because of these tendencies, it made them more uh, bend more towards um, the homosexual uh, you know, lifestyle or whatever. The problem with that is, is that there's no substantial research on that, and there's plenty of people that are male that are a little more effeminate, and female that are a little more masculine that are not gay at all. And so it's not on research, it's just people like Dr. Phil and the psychologist community that are just saying, you're born that way. However, you are born with a sin nature. And the Bible does address this issue. In fact, in Romans 1, 26 through 28, you can write this down. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged natural function for that which was unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned natural function for the women and burned in desire toward one another. Men with men committed indecent acts and received in themselves their own, in their own person the due penalty for their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer... God gave them over to their depraved mind to do the things which were not proper. I mean, the Bible is clear. God is serious about marriage. He's serious about this one man, one woman thing. It is not, it, it is not hate speech saying that. Listen, I have friends. In fact, I was talking to one of my friends two days ago who's openly gay. I told him, I said, hey, bro, next time you're coming through Atlanta, stop by, man. Let's hang out. Let's grab lunch. We have these conversations all the time about this stuff. They're not offended by it because they know I don't hate them. They know, I, they know I care for them. They know I love them. See, here's the thing. PK was talking about this a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was so appropriate. He says, we have attached valuing people's values with valuing people. So in other words, if you don't value my values, then you don't value me. No, 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 that's not true. Just because I don't agree with all of your values doesn't mean that I value you. Doesn't mean that I, that I love you and that I care about you. I don't have to value your values to value you as a person. There's a lot of people that I don't value the values of that I really care about. I don't value some of the, some of the values of my grandfather. My grandfather was an alcoholic. He abused my mom. I, did, I don't value some of the values that he had. But he's my grandfather. I love him. He's not alive anymore. This isn't about valuing people. This is about what people believe and value. And this is about an agenda that has been put out in our culture. And we need to right size it and have the conversation. Because I'm about to give you the research. 
And the research is clear. I think that God puts boundaries around marriage, boundaries around sex, because God knows that when it is used in ways that it is not designed to be in, then it will bring destruction upon your life. It's not that God is up there going, I'm going to smash you for this. It's because God says, no, listen, you're going to undo yourself. This isn't about me undoing you. This is about you undoing yourself. And this is what the research shows. First, where same-sex has been, marriage has been legalized, religious freedoms have been invaded, and the family has disintegrated. This is well documented. A.K. Green, who was uh, uh, a pastor, was preaching a message just like I'm preaching right now. And because he mentioned a scripture about homosexuality in Sweden, uh, it, was considered, he was, it was considered hate speech, and he was, he was thrown into prison. In Brazil, they were uh, trying to pass a law two years ago that if you mention homosexuality from the pulpit then you would be in prison for five years as a pastor. Religious freedoms are always invaded when sex and marriage are messed with, every time. The second thing is, this is what the, this is what the research says. In the United States, about 2% of the population claims to be homosexual or bisexual, 2% of the population. Yet they make up for 70% of the HIV and AIDS cases. They're four times more likely to suffer depression three times more likely to suffer anxiety, four times more likely to experience conduct disorders, six times more likely to attempt suicide, five times more likely to commit suicide, five times more likely to have nicotine addictions, six times more likely to suffer multiple disorders. Listen to this. The average life expectancy in the United States of America is 78 years old. The average life expectancy for a homosexual male is 50, 30 years less. Don't think that this will not undo you. Homosexuals make up 17% of all hospital admissions. 2% of the population, 17, almost one-fifth of all hospital admission, admissions are homosexual. And those are not including for STD purposes. In regards to homosexual couples and domestic violence, a recent study by the Canadian government stated that violence was twice as common among homosexual couples as compared to heterosexual couples. Also, according to the American College of Pediatrics, who cited also in several studies that violence among homosexual partners is two to three times more common than among married heterosexual couples. And listen to this. Where homosexual marriage has been allowed and legalized and, and legalize, these unions have lasted on average one and a half years. Where it's been legalized, the unions on average have lasted one and a half years. So, here's why we have the conversation. We have the conversation because your opinion doesn't matter my opinion doesn't matter. Your teacher's opinion doesn't matter. Your parents' opinion doesn't matter. Your friend's opinion doesn't matter. God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the ruler of the universe, and he gets to decide how things are done. He ordained marriage. He ordained this, and he put it in place for us to enjoy him forever. And marriage is beautiful and amazing, and so is sex, and God gave that to us as a gift. And let me tell you something. And if you don't believe me, confirm it 
with the adult leaders or your parents, which would be awkward. (laughs) But when you think of a marriage and all of the characteristics of your identity that define who you are, let me tell you that in a marriage, sexy is about that much. Sexy time is about that much. Right there. All the married people are laughing because they know what I'm talking about. Amen, brother, they say. And this is what happens. When you build your entire identity around this and you make it all sex and you get married and all of a sudden it matters that you're dating your wife, that you're communicating with her, imagine that, that you're caring for her needs, that you are providing, that you are working, that you are doing all of these other things and sex becomes this little bitty sliver but you had the expectation of this because you built your entire life on this, then you are left disappointed, disillusioned in your marriage. Marriage implodes. Happens all the time, and all the research points to it. All of it does. In fact, the research is astounding and astonishing that children, in order for their development to be properly made all the way through, it is important for them to have a mother and a father for a child's development. That's why. It breaks my heart every time I hear a student come and tell me that their parents are splitting up. I mean, that's one of the reasons. There's many reasons why that breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart because it dishonors God. That people are being selfish that they're bringing their sin and their selfishness into this relationship, that they care more about their own self and all their desires and whatever those desires, whatever piece of this pie they've made the largest, and they've sacrificed in other areas. So we'll answer a whole bunch of questions next week, including we're going to have a conversation about creation and evolution next week, which I'm so pumped for. We're out of time as far as this goes. So I'm going to have Coy come up here in a second or come up here now, and he's going to share some announcements. Here's the deal. If you have some more questions or you want to talk to somebody about some of this stuff, come and, come and talk to me. Uh, I, I, have, I have a whole bunch more that we can talk about when it comes to this particular issue, and, uh, and, and we can deal with it and address with it, but here's the deal. If you're struggling, listen, if you're struggling with, with, uh, with homosexuality or any sexual sin for that matter, listen, here's the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is not Stop being gay, come to Jesus. The message of the Bible is this. Come to Jesus, let the Spirit of God work in your heart and your life, and let God change you from the inside out. Let God show you what the right thing to do is. You know what I'm saying? If you str- Listen, if you struggle with that or you're dealing, we want you to come here every week. We want you to get connected here every week. We want you to be loved on by us every week. We are not going to treat you different. We're not going to talk to you different, any of that kind of stuff. I believe that if you keep hearing about Jesus and he comes in and invades and changes your life, he's going to change your thinking as he has mine on many things. So thank you guys for coming tonight. Give it up for Coy.